You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. This is um, the uh, Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. This is your host, Jeff Lucas. Uh, I'm a land surveyor and attorney, uh, but I'm not here to give you any legal advice. We will spend the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. As always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at AmericasWebRadio.com. You can find out more about me on my personal website, www.LucasAndCompany.com. If you do try to go to my website uh, here today or maybe tomorrow or the next day, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty there, and uh, I've got some people working on it to uh, figure out what the problem is, but our website is temporarily down. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so what we've been doing for uh, the past few weeks, and uh, just another little bit of housekeeping, I won't. I will not be on the program live uh, next Monday or the Monday after that. I've uh, I've got some uh, issues I've got to take care of, um, but hopefully we'll be back uh, in uh, three Mondays, and I'll spend that time trying to find some uh, guests to come on the program, and we'll we'll sort of pivot away from what we've been talking about here for the last uh, last several weeks. Um, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we've been going through a program that um, that I call uh, a new practice model, and we uh, it's it's a program in three parts. We talked about the problems with the uh, current practice model, uh, surveying practice model, and of course we're talking about uh, we're talking about the core issue of surveying. We're talking about uh, um, the surveyor's uh, role as a retracement surveyor or uh, finding where property lines uh, have become established on the ground, surveying boundaries, in essence. Um, so that's that's uh, that's what we're talking about here. And when we talk about a practice model, um, the old practice model is um, is broken. It's not serving uh, the land surveying profession well. It's not serving uh, our clients. It's not serving landowners well. Uh, so it needs to be jettisoned. And then, of course, the question becomes, well, what do we replace uh, the current practice model with? And it's not going to take us uh, real long, uh, a real long time to actually talk about a, uh, a, a different practice model, a new practice model, something that, serves, that would serve the pr- profession uh, better and serve our clients or uh, landowners better. Um, the, the middle part of this discussion was just talking about some uh, some maybe not so well-known uh, aspects of retracement surveying, and uh, we've gone through those over the last couple of weeks. We're actually on the last one, and uh, so we'll just wrap up uh, that part of the discussion uh, here uh, here in just a minute. Uh, and then after that, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about what a new practice model would look like and the benefits uh, of that, and some of the problems with instituting a new practice model. But um, the, the last uh, retracement point I wanted to make uh, is um, uh, it was number 10. We had 10 points we were going over. Uh, we've gone over nine of them. But number 10 is the surveyor is de facto judge and jury uh, over the termination of boundary lines. And why is that? Um, mainly because um, most, as we've discussed 
before most uh, people, most landowners, uh, do not have the wherewithal to take a surveyor, uh, even in a in a with a bad survey on the, on their hands, with a negligent survey on their hands. Uh, not a lot of people have the wherewithal to take uh, to take the surveyor to court, and so the surveyor's decision basically basically becomes de- a de facto final determination. And so then the landowners are left with, well, what do we do now? Uh, if you can't litigate, then what do you do? Uh, and well, and that's that's sort of the um, the idea behind uh, what we'll be talking about uh, relative to uh, a new practice model. Okay, um, uh, this uh, AZ Enos uh, wrote a little treatise back in uh, 1891 uh, in Springfield, Illinois, where his uh, residence and where he was a longtime resident, um, entitled "The Early Surveyors and Surveying in Illinois," and he ma- he made this observation in that uh, in that little um, uh, treatise. Uh, the surveyor in the field has no opportunity to consult authorities, to counsel with others, or hold under advisement for subsequent adjudication. He must think and act for himself, and that quickly and firmly. In the discharge of his, his duties, he combines the threefold character of attorney, jury, and judge. This has been recognized for a long time uh, in the land surveying profession. And if we go back to some of these early uh, early writers, early commentators, uh, early surveyors who uh, put pen to paper and and got uh, got papers uh, published, we, we see a different practice model. Uh, not not like the one uh, not the one that uh, started in the 1960s and continues to this day of um, of just. Um, in a, staking the deed, for lack of a better term, staking the deed and leaving, um, leaving, let the, letting the chips fall where they may, where they may, leaving the problems um, that are associated with those determinations to the landowners themselves. Uh, but that creates that's a problem because the land surveyors generally, um, uh, or the landowners generally, can't solve these problems, and the surveyor is actually in. A uh, excellent position to not just find people's problems, but to, to resolve their problems as well. Uh, but of course, this has been frowned upon by many in the profession as uh, as somehow practicing the law to come up with solutions for people's problems, and uh, they aren't always legal questions. As a matter of fact, most commonly they are factual questions. That can be um, that can be resolved uh, with uh, much easier than going to going to litigation. Going into litigation. Um, so that was Enos uh, writing in 1891. Okay, but he's not alone. Uh, Thomas Cooley, who we all are familiar with, uh, had made a little speech back in um, the 1800s. He was um, the um, uh, the Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court uh, at that time, and he came to the uh, Michigan um, Engineering and Surveying uh, Conference. Um, I think it was being held in Detroit. Uh, he came there and gave a little speech, and the name of it, uh, the title of his speech, was "The Judicial Functions of Surveyors," um, which 
he preferenced that as the quasi-judicial functions of surveyor. So even the Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court understood uh, that uh, that surveyors um, uh, surveyors are a little bit are a little bit different uh, than uh, other professionals. They they deal with a very important um, uh, aspect. Of, uh, of people's property ownership, that is the location of their property lines on the ground. Uh, they deal with people, uh, therefore they are dealing with people and people's property rights. And um, there is, and as we've talked about, there's there's something of an immunity to prosecution when it comes to surveyors because there's there's just no money to do it. Uh, that doesn't mean that surveyors don't get sued. They do, uh, and. It doesn't mean that surveyors don't cause problems. They do. Um, but generally, in a boundary dispute case, what's going to happen is um, is the, the landowners are going to sue each other and not necessarily the surveyor. Because in many cases, there's nothing to be gained. But here's what Cooley said in that speech. Uh, surveyors are not some of what he said. It's, you know, three or four-page speech. Um Surveyors are not and cannot be judicial officers. So let's make that clear. We're not talking. The surveyors are not ju- officially judicial officers, but in a great many cases, they act in a quasi-judicial capacity with the acquiescence of the parties concerned. It is important for them to know that w- by what rules for them, the surveyors, to know by what rules they are to be guided in the discharge of their judicial functions. So. Uh, um, this was recognized in the legal profession and has been recognized in the legal profession for uh, for you know well over we're, we're, we're talking um, well over a century you know 150 years or so uh, so um, th- this isn't this isn't anything new now what what is new though is uh, when we read through some of these um, um, uh, some of these old commentators, uh, or commentators from the past, they they talk about the judicial function of the surveyor, but they don't uh, they don't um, um, explain what what kind of a judge, what kind of judicial function, and, uh, it, and as we know, there is the law and there is equity, and we can't be talking about a law judge here because surveyors do not uh, dispense the law. Surveyors must know the law. And apply the law in their practice, but they don't. They can't be legal judges. So, what they don't explain here, what Enos doesn't explain when he talks about the surveyor's role as a judge, what uh, Cooley doesn't explain when he talks about the quasi-judicial function of the, of, uh, the surveyor, and our, our next um, uh, our next gentleman up would be Hodgman, uh, also from Michigan, uh, writing in 1913. What he doesn't explain is we're not talking about as a legal judge. We're talking about as an equity judge. And we've talked about the difference between the law and equity uh, on many occasions in the past. Uh, Equity judges are not... A pure equity judge is not a legal judge. Um, A a pure uh, equity is not the law, and the law isn't necessarily equitable. So we have... um, We have two jurisdictions in in our uh, in our legal processes and one is a legal um, jurisdiction of the judges and the other is the um, is um, is equity jurisdiction and which is not the law equity is not the law um, 
our equity courts that survive to this day would include uh, our probate courts. Uh, they're generally equity courts. Uh, the chancery courts, they're generally equity courts. And in many cases, uh, the judge doesn't need to be a lawyer to be a, chance- or a chancellor or to be a probate judge because they don't dispense the law. They only dispense equity. And equity deals with facts. It doesn't deal with the law. So there's the difference. The law is the law, uh, and, it, and it concerns legal questions. Equity is not the law, and it concerns factual questions. So that's the kind of judge they're talking about. Um, Let's take looks a like break. we're probably coming up on a break here shortly. Um, David, uh, I can't see you, but uh, if we're – is it time for a break? Yes. Yes. Okay. Apparently not. We'll we'll keep going. Here's Hodgman yes, writing in 1913. Is it about time for a yes, break? It's time for a break. Okay. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying. I, I don't know. Like was, the old-fashioned um, wooden stakes. If you try to sample, I'm, I'm gonna try if not, again. get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier yeah, to use I'll than the it. old I'll heavy wooden stakes. Order a sample today okay. and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly steak. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, folks. Um, this is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and we're talking about uh, surveying. We're talking about a new practice model. Um, I'm going to try this link here real quick, folks, uh, see if I can get um, get my visual with uh, David, which will help tremendously uh, relative to the brakes. Hang on one second here. And paste. And here we go. Okay, join the meeting. Join the meeting. And it looks like maybe we're going to get a visual now. All right, this this will help with the breaks. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> um, we're uh, we're wrapping up. Um, all right. Well, there we go. All right, I got the studio. Uh, this will be better. 
All right, so we're wrapping up this last uh, this last point on retracement, uh, and that is the surveyor as de facto judge uh, judge and jury. Uh, what Hodgman said in 1913, in an old settled country, the principal work of the surveyor is to retrace old boundary lines, find no corners, and relocate them when lost. In performing this duty, he exercises to a certain extent judicial functions. Usually takes the place of both judge and jury acting as an arbiter. We'd call that a mediator these days. Between the uh, uh, adjoining proprietors, decides both the law and the facts in regard to their boundary lines. He does this not because of any right or authority he may possess, but because the interested parties voluntarily submit their differences to him as an expert in such matters, preferring to abide by his decision rather than to go to the law about it. And that was the, that was the turning point before. Uh, this was uh, what what uh, Hodgman's uh, what Hodgman is uh, talking about here is a different practice model than what we got uh, uh, than what we got in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s up, up to up to today. In, in most cases, um, there was another tipping point back in the 60s. There, this Hodgman is des- describing a surveyor as mediator, and when um, Kurt Brown hit the scene with his book and uh, talked about uh, all the surveyor needs to do is, is stake the deed and leave the, the problems to the legal profession. And that was a tipping point. That was a, that that changed the that changed the uh, the practice model. At least as far as Hodgman was concerned, as far as Cooley was concerned, as far as uh, Enos was concerned, and the way that they were uh, they were describing surveying practice. Clark, uh, Frank Emerson Clark, writing in 1939, when a surveyor is employed to establish the position of a point or line to which two or more persons are interested, he should act as an honorable, unprejudiced party and seek to find the true position regardless of consequences. It is therefore of the utmost importance that the surveyor should act in the the same manner as does a judge on a bench rather than a partisan employee of one of the persons concerned. Not a legal judge, but an equity judge sitting in equity, determining what's fair and right, and explaining it to the people and, and mediating their differences rather than sending them to the law, because the, the surveyor is in a much better position to do this than, than anybody else. Uh, assuming that the surveyor understands the uh, boundary location doctrines, when and how they apply, and that's what we talked about almost the entire program last Monday. Was when uh, what what are the boundary location doctrines, and when and how do they apply? You can't be an, um, an equity judge over a boundary dispute issue unless you understand those doctrines, um, because the, primarily these aren't legal questions. The only legal question in a boundary dispute case would would come up if someone was arguing adverse possession. But that's not always the answer. Uh, but it, in many cases, it's the answer for the attorney. When the, when the landowners take it to the law, take it to the attorneys, uh, th- this is no knock on attorneys, okay? They're not experts in, in, in this field, this, um, this uh, es- in a lot of ways, esoteric field of property boundary surveying, and they don't understand uh, uh, when and how the boundary location doctrines apply. I imagine many attorneys don't even know there are such things as boundary location doctrines. Just like there are probably many surveyors who don't understand, or certainly don't understand how and when they apply. 
and that's just critically important for this new practice model we're, we're about to discuss. This is, uh, but but see, the even in, as as late as 1986, there's uh, these two gentlemen, Williams uh, and Onsred, wrote a uh, wrote a column for. Uh, entitled what uh, in 1986 what every law, uh, lawyer should know about title surveys it was written for the real property and trust section of the, of the uh, uh, American Bar Association and this is what they had to say about and w- uh, Williams is an attorney and I believe he's a surveyor as well Andred I believe is a professor or was a professor uh, teaching uh, surveying uh, and I've forgotten what university he was at but they uh, they got together and they wrote this little um, this little article for the American Bar Association entitled "What Every Lawyer Should Know About Title Surveys." And look, listen to what they had to say. This is as late as 1986. The surveyor, having made an evaluation of the evidence, forms an opinion as to where he believes the lines would be located if fully adjudicated in a court of law. Now they stepped over the line there. I can't, I can't agree with that. We're not talking about a court of law. Williams and Andrew, you would think, uh, would would understand that, that these aren't legal questions. These are uh, uh, equitable questions. The, the boundary location doctrines are not legal questions. They're equitable questions. They're factual questions. The typical modern-day surveyor sees himself as an expert evaluator of evidence. That's good. That's what. That's exactly what I've been saying. Uh, the, uh, the, Boundary retracement surveying is an evidentiary exercise. <clears throat> he strives to arrive at the same opinion of boundary location regardless of whether he was hired by his client or the client's next-door neighbor. That's exactly what uh, Frank Emerson Clark was saying in 1939. Um, stepping back into the 1970s, 1974, somewhere in there, uh, Dean and McIntyre, who were professors at Purdue University when it had a surveying program, wrote a little uh, treatise uh, entitled Establishment of Boundaries by Unwritten Methods and the Land Surveyor. And it was written for the uh, Illinois Society of Professional Land Surveyors. I picked it up at an Illinois conference. It was on uh, one, of those, uh, one of those tables where they're selling stuff to, uh, to or uh, auctioning stuff off to uh, raise you know, scholarship money. Um, it doesn't actually have a publication date uh, in it, uh, but um, I was able to narrow it down to somewhere in the neighborhood of 1974, and here's what they uh, had to say on page one. The surveyor makes so-called quasi-judicial decisions when he decides such items as a stone is an original stone, that a fence intersection is the best evidence of uh, an obliterated corner, best available evidence, that's our survey criterion, or that a north bearing and a description meant parallel to the east boundary of the section. Most of these decisions are never questioned, and if so, never go to court, and therefore become final. We've been talking about that That's uh, for two or three weeks now. That is exactly what happens. Most even egregious boundary determinations made by surveyors go unchallenged. There, there's three possible results from surveying activity. When the surveyor leaves the field, everybody's happy. That means that, generally speaking, that the surveyor has maintained the status quo. 
didn't upset the apple cart. Everybody's happy. Just reaffirms what the landowners already have in their minds as to where the boundary lines are located. Or when the surveyor leaves the field, nobody's happy. And that usually means that the surveyor has somehow upset the status quo. Generally speaking, uh, is telling the landowners that fences need to move. That is that is not uh, that is not good news, that, and that is not uh, that is not going to get a very good reception, especially when the landowners believe that the fences are the boundaries. So uh, th- this is this is what we're talking about uh, with the new practice model. We've got to find ways to uh, maintain the status quo as opposed to upsetting the apple cart. And then if the surveyor upsets the, the, the neighborhood, one or, one or two or three things happen there. Either they ignore the results, which in many cases is a good thing, but can't always happen. Remember our, our, our case of uh, Weber versus Kroger. Weber versus Kroger. Weber attempted to ignore the survey results. Kroger couldn't. Kroger couldn't because the survey results meant that Kroger could get a jackhammer and go jackhammer uh, Weber's uh, parking pad in the back of his property. So um, uh, one party could, but the other, but they both couldn't. Or it turns into some kind of litigation. Uh, uh, which may or may not go to court. Uh, many or some kind of argument, which may turn into litigation, which may or may not go to court. Uh, they told us in law school only about 5% of all controversies, 3 to 5% of all controversies ever see the light of day, the light of day in a courtroom. So that means there, there's, there's, and there are a lot of court cases involving boundary disputes. That means the vast majority of them are still out there. We don't even know about them. Okay? We don't even know about them. And if so, they never go to court. All right. Let's see. um, uh, Dean and McIntyre, continuing with them. The surveyor, therefore, makes final decisions in most boundary cases. In reality, these are final judicial decisions. The only factor which makes them quasi-judicial is that they are subject to review and possibly changed by the courts if, and that's a big if, a case goes to court. And so we've uh, talked about the difference between uh, equity and law and what what they don't, none of these writers make clear. And there's also um, um, Mulford is another one uh, who uh, wrote a little treatise uh, uh, about sur- early surveying, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, and there there are others that don't come to mind right now. But what they all th- kind of miss and don't explain is the difference between a law judge and an equity judge. And I think I just did that a few minutes ago. Uh, law judges rule on the law; they pass judgment on the law; they make legal decisions. Equity judges don't. They don't mess with the law. They have to know the law, like the surveyor. That's what makes equity judge almost the, the perfect the perfect uh, analogy with surveying practice, retracement surveying practice. Uh, equity judges need to know and uh, need to know and, and apply the law, but they don't dispense the law, and um, they they only um, uh, dis- they dispense equity. They they deal with facts. Not the, not the law, generally speaking. 
Okay, we're coming up on a break, and we will be back after this. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And wherever you are... It's time to order your quick stakes. If you haven't had a sample of them, try them. Just call them, 800-438-0387, and order your sample. Or if you're stocking up, here comes the business in spring. Stock up now and be sure you have plenty of markers and quick stakes. 1-800-438-0387 or quickstake.com. And, Jeff, we're coming back to you in three, two. One, and it's yours. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Okay, welcome back. All right, we're going to, we're going to, um, we've had enough uh, talk about retracement surveying. We're going to talk about uh, 10 steps to a new practice model to save traditional surveying. Step number one, the, the, the land surveying profession has to differentiate between good practice and bad. Okay, uh, and we've talked about bad practice and how it's uh, allowed to happen. Uh, in the land surveying, uh, an easy analogy is in the land surveying, in the, in the medical profession, it's not okay to amputate the wrong leg. That's bad practice. Uh, and there are consequences if the doctor amputates the wrong leg. But in the land surveying profession, it's perfectly okay to amputate the wrong leg as long as it's done with precision. And what's the equivalent of amputating the wrong leg in the land surveying profession, the equivalent of medically amputating the wrong leg? It's when uh, parties are sent to court for no reason at all. No reason. In the vast majority of these cases that I read about, talk about, write about, uh, it, the, the surveyor, um, at least on one side of the equation, the surveyor didn't know what the, what he was he or she was doing. In fact, I, I've never read about a, 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 a female surveyor involved in a case. That's not to say there aren't there isn't one out there, but I, I have never read about a, a female surveyor being in a lawsuit. Um, so good for them. But um, um, the, the the surveyor on one side of the equation. Um, didn't know what he or she was doing, um, and and therefore for no, for really no good reason, didn't know how to apply the uh, location the the boundary location doctrines. Didn't know when to apply the boundary location doctrines. 
couldn't get away from the math, couldn't get away from the, the deed uh, long enough to, uh, to see what's actually happening out there and uh, then to render, uh, gather and evaluate the best available evidence. This is the surveyor's criterion. There's not a mathematical formula to check if your decision is correct or if your judgment is correct, but there is a criterion. Gathering and evaluating the best available evidence that the the other reasonably prudent practitioners would gather and evaluate under like or similar circumstances, weighing that evidence, and then rendering a well-reasoned opinion on uh, the only question open to the surveyor. That's the location question. Where is the property line located? Where are the property lines located? And then being able to explain it. What, what doctrines, what principles is this survey based on? What doctrines of location are being applied here. Um, so that's the litmus test. If you do all of those things, and then you can explain why uh, you've made the decision that you made, then more than likely you've 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 got the right decision. And it's just from my. I've only been um, seriously studying boundary dispute cases involving surveyors for twenty years. Um, Prior to that, I, I just was blindly going along like many surveyors uh, still do today, uh, slap a map on the ground and causing problems. But um, in the 20 years I've been diligently studying, a little more 20, than 20 years now, been diligently studying um, boundary dispute cases involving surveyors, um, I've come to realize that a lot of surveyors, just like, like me, prior to law school don't know don't know what they're doing and here's one um here's one uh, problem with the practice is uh, the difference between um uh, a precise survey and an accurate survey and our standards of practice across the country uh, uh have this wrong as well and and we need to understand this especially in light of the uh the uh alta nsps um uh, land title um, standards or specifications for doing surveys because there, there is a difference between having precise measurements and accurate results. And in, in the surveying context, a retracement surveying context, accurate results mean um, you have identified the true and correct property corners and the true and correct property lines. Um, you can very precisely locate the wrong corners and not have an accurate survey. So if the focus of a survey is correct results, uh, let's not amputate the wrong leg. Correct results would be to amputate the correct leg and not the wrong leg. Um, If the focus of a survey is to get correct results, again, we need rule number one. We need to differentiate between good practice and bad. Good practice would be locating the true and correct property corners. Therefore, you would have an accurate survey. Now, in order for um, um, for the, the survey to be uh, to, to meet the standards, the uh, ALTA standards, you also need precise measurements. And so, um, that's what the uh, starting with the 2011 uh, ALTA standards minimum standard detail requirements for ALTA NSPS land title surveys, starting with the 2011, continuing with 2016, and to be honest with you, I haven't 
uh, I, I doubt there's been uh, any fundamental change here. Uh, I haven't looked at the uh, the latest draft of uh, the 2021 standards that are out there, but um, <clears throat> I'm assuming that it, it hasn't changed much in this regard. If we go to section one, what's the purpose of uh, of, of doing an office survey? Um, it's for a survey of real property map, plat, or, or record of such survey to be acceptable to a title insurance company for the purposes of insuring title to real property, free and clear of survey matters. So what they're going to do when you do an off the survey is they're going to uh, t- uh, they're going to take the survey exception from Schedule B out. In other words, they're going to insure the survey. To clear this, uh, 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 to ensure the title free and clear of survey matters, they're talking about the survey exception. Certain specific and pertinent information must be presented for the distinct and clear understanding between the insured, the client, the title company, the lender, and the surveyor professionally responsible for the survey. In order to meet such needs, clients, insurers, insureds, and lenders are entitled to rely on surveyors to conduct surveys and prepare associated plats and maps that are professional quality and appropriately uniform, complete, and accurate. Those are the key words, complete and accurate, because the survey exception says, in essence, that uh, we're going to accept from this policy anything a complete and accurate survey would disclose. So those are key words. Those are important words. Those are... Those are specific words that are being used in the ALTA standards because they line up perfectly with the same words that are used in the title insurance policy. Complete and accurate. So that begs the question, what is a complete survey? And what it constitutes an accurate survey? Uh, continuing in Section 1. To that end, in the, in, in the interest of the general public, the serving profession, title insurers, and abstract abstractors, the ALTA and NSP jointly promulgated uh, the within details and criteria setting forth a minimum standard of performance for ALTA NSPS land title surveys. A complete ALTA NSPS land title survey includes, and then it talks about sections two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So we, they, they're telling us right there, what is a complete ALTA survey? It's a survey where you've addressed, including table A, you've addressed the standards, everything called for in the standards. So that begs the question, all right, well, that's a complete survey. I, I need to make sure I follow the, uh, the minimum requirements the detailed requirements that'll give me a complete survey. So what is an accurate survey? Well, if we go down to Section 3D, Boundary Resolution, it tells us this. The boundary lines and corners of any property being surveyed as part of an ALTA NSPS land title survey shall be established and or retraced in accordance with appropriate boundary law principles. Governed by the set of facts and evidence found in the course of performing the research and field work. So what are the appropriate boundary law principles? Well, those are what we talk those are the boundary location documents that we talked we talked about last week. Going down to section three E triple I, measurement standards, relative positional precision. Uh, uh, prior to two thousand eleven it used to say me, uh relative uh, positional uh accuracy of the measurements. 
But the focus of an ALTA survey is not measurements. Anybody can make measurements. Uh, measurements uh, are, do not, uh, precise measurements do not um, equate to correct results. Relative positional, uh, positional precision is a measure of how precisely the surveyor is able to monument and report those positions. It is not a substitute for the application of, bound, of proper boundary law principles, the location doctrines. A boundary corner or a line may have a very small relative positional precision because the survey measurements were precise. It still be in the wrong position, that is to say, inaccurate, if it was established or retraced using faulty or improper application of boundary law principles. There's your definition of an inaccurate survey. If you come up with the wrong position, you can have precise measurements. But if you come up with the wrong position, the wrong corner, the wrong line, not the true and correct line, or if you applied uh, faulty or improper uh, boundary law principles. In either case, by definition, you have an inaccurate survey. And then if you skip down to Section 7, the certification, you're signing off that you have an accurate survey. According, You have a complete and accurate survey. And then what happens is uh, when you turn that into your client, the client turns it into the title company for title insurance, and the uh, title insurance company is supposed to remove the survey exception from Schedule B, thereby, thereby uh, actually ensuring the survey, actually ensuring the boundary line shown on the survey. You see, because if you take the standard form, the standard ALTA form, survey coverage is actually provided on page one. It's part of the coverage of the title insurance policy. They go to Schedule B and accept it out. Now, that seems a little bit backwards. I mean, if, if I didn't want to insure the survey, I wouldn't put it in the standard, lang uh, the, the standard language that, of, of what's included in the title uh, insurance policy. But that's what they did. On page one of the standard ALTA policy, the they have survey coverage. The title policy includes covering the survey, the survey results. Then they go to Schedule B and put in an exception. It's called the survey exception. But when an uh, ALTA survey is done, it's for the purpose of removing the survey exception. Therefore, uh, if, you've, if, you've met, if you mess up on an ALTA survey, you will be sued because... Uh, the title insurance companies have money. You will be sued. Okay, um, we're going to. Okay, uh, we're going to come up. We're coming up on a break here. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to move along uh, when we get back in uh, just a few minutes. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. 
If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Uh, okay, we are looking at a new practice model. And uh, our first point was differentiate between good practice and bad. That doesn't happen currently. And the land surveying profession is, is going to have to... Uh, the title, if you're, if you're doing an ALTA survey... The title company will, and you mess up, the title company will uh, police the serving uh, profession in, in that regards because if the title company has to pay because of a bad survey that they had have insured because they removed the survey exception, uh, litigation will come, will, will come about uh, even if board action doesn't. Remember the two policing mechanisms of any profession, some type of board action, board or bar, act, bar action, and litigation. And that, those those policing activities don't work too well in the land surveying profession. But if you mess up on an ALTA survey, uh, the uh, the title company will survey uh, sue the surveyor uh, if they have to pay off on the policy. But of course, most of the most of the insurance policy litigation is about uh, insurance companies not wanting to pay. I mean, they're supposed to pay first and then ask questions later, but that doesn't happen uh, all the time. But so. Differentiate between good practice and bad. Now, here's another big problem for the land surveying profession. Define what it means to survey property. The definition of surveying is so bad and antiquated that it doesn't even describe what we do. It actually provides cover for bad practice. Uh, We went over this um, months ago, about a year ago, I I believe, but... um, uh, it's it's worth it's part of it's part of correcting or, or coming up with a new practice model. Here's here's how the definition of surveying basically goes. This is from the NCEES model law under definitions. Uh, listen to this: uh, the practice of surveying. The term practice of surveying is used in this act. This is model law, and this has been used widely across the com- uh, country by uh, many many regulatory boards. Not not universally, but the vast majority of regulatory boards use this these definitions. The practice of surveying is used in this act, and so it would be enacted as statutorily enacted if you adopt the model law, shall mean providing or offering to provide professional services, dot, 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 professional services include, dot, 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 skipping ahead, information related to any one of the more of the following. And then skipping down to... Uh, the meat of the matter, locating, relocating, establishing, reestablishing, or retracing property lines or boundaries of any tract of land, road, uh, right-of-way, or easement. What do those terms mean? They're, they're, totally, they're totally meaningless. Locating and relocating, what does that mean? Uh, we, we know the fundamental principles of surveying are you're either an original surveyor or a retracing surveyor. The definition of surveying doesn't say that. It doesn't say it misses the fundamental concept of of of, sur- of surveying property boundaries. Uh, this is this is uh, 
milk toast here. This is the, the, locating, relocating, establishing, reestablishing, or retracing. Locating, okay, locating could uh, could possibly uh, describe either an original survey or uh, a retracement survey. What about relocating? What does that mean? Relocate means to put in a, to, into a new position. Just look it up in Webster's. To relocate is to put into a new position. If you relocate your office, you're moving your office to a new position. If you relocate your, your home, you're moving to a new home. Establishing and reestablishing. This is just a fundamentally wrong. Uh, whoever See, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, the, 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 this definition is decades old, okay? So I know that back then, 30, 40 years ago, whenever um, um, they came up with this definition, that the vast majority of surveyors don't, didn't under, don't understand the boundary establishment doctrines, the boundary location doctrines. Surveyors establish nothing. Boundaries are not established by surveyors. Surveyors establish nothing. Boundaries are established in the final analysis. Boundaries are established by the activity and inactivity of the landowners themselves. So this is just fundamentally wrong, establishing, reestablishing. Fundamentally wrong. And then, or retracing. So you have your choice. Under the definition, you can go locate the property lines. You can go relocate the property lines. That's that's called deed staking. See, deed staking, aberrant survey practice is actually provided cover by the definition of surveying given to us by the National Council of Examiners for Engineers and Surveyors. You can go relocate the property. You can do something called establish the property lines, which surveyors don't do. Or you can reestablish the lines. Presumably put them in a new place, uh, in a new location. Also, kind of a relocation. Or you can go retrace the property lines. Is this the stupidest definition of surveying anyone has ever read? And that's a big problem. Now, I hate these terms, locating, relocating, establishing, reestablishing, but and retracing, but they can be this this can be fixed. This can be fixed. And the fix is simple. Without even going to the legislature, this can be fixed. Any board across the country with this stupid definition of surveying that doesn't actually describe what retracing surveying and original surveyors are all about. It allows for aberrant behavior. Does, any, does anybody know about Visalign? Does anybody know about Visalign? Did we, have we talked about Visalign before? They're out there practicing surveying, but you know what? The Mississippi Board couldn't convict them of practicing surveying because they have a stupid definition like the one I just read you, and Visalign isn't doing any of that stuff. They're not locating, relocating, establishing, or reestablishing, or retracing property lines. No, what they're doing is making a conscious decision when they're, with their aerial overlay on where the property lines are located on the ground. Does that sound like surveying? Yes. Is that what the definition says? No. 
Invisalign's actually practicing surveying, but the definition of surveying is so poor, the Mississippi Board of uh, Engineers and Surveyors couldn't convict, couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't sue them for and, and disgorge them of money uh, for practicing surveying, even though that's what they're doing. The fundamental issue of, tra- of, of, of retracement surveying is a well-reasoned opinion on the location of property lines on the ground. And when Visalign does their little aerial overlay over their legal description that they plot out, they plot out just like little good little deed stakers. They're plotting out deeds. The only problem, the only difference is they're not they're not putting pins in the ground. They're putting them on a piece of paper. Then they're doing an aerial overlay. <laughs> what they're doing when they do their aerial overlay, they're doing nothing less than rendering a decision on where the property lines are located on the ground vis-a-vis a map, uh, an aerial aerial photography. So what is the fix, Jeff? Well, here's the fix. Um, Without even going to the legislature to change the statute, to get rid of those those words that that don't even describe surveying, the fix would be to simply define what... under the administrative code would be to define what the, those terms mean. So here's my fix. The terms locating and establishing, even though I hate both of those terms because they don't describe survey retracement, used in the model law, blah, 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 refer to an original survey of property being conducted for the owners of a parent tract of land in order to, A, delineate new property lines for a subdivision of the parent tract, B, reconfigure existing property lines under common ownership. Remember, to be an original surveyor, there has to be unity of ownership. You can't be an original surveyor without with diversity of ownership. You've got to have a unity of ownership uh, under common ownership for a new subdivision of property or subdivide a section of a portion of, uh, of uh, or portions of a section of land uh, as a part of the public land survey system that is under common ownership where no such subdivision has ever been previously conducted on the ground. The purpose of an original survey is to create an original subdivision or, and I don't even like this term that much, or re-subdivision of land under common ownership, but that's what you might be doing. You might be reconstituting. You're creating an original subdivision or you're reconstituting. That'd probably be a better term. Reconstituting uh, a subdivision of land under common ownership. But you got to have the common ownership. You can't have diversity of ownership. All right, so continuing with the fix, because I know uh, I'm I'm running out of time. The terms locating, reestablishing, and retracing used in the model law refer to a retracement survey. And here's where we define a retracement survey of an existing property lines or boundaries of any tract of land in order to determine where the property lines have become established on the ground, either through a previous original survey of the property lines being retraced or by the application of the appropriate boundary law principles. Talked about those last week, the boundary location doctrines, governed by the facts and evidence found in the course of performing retracement survey. A proper retracement survey shall include, but is not limited to, 
appropriate uh, record and field research, gathering and evaluating the best available evidence. There's your criterion uh, indicating where the property lines became established uh, or have become established on the ground. If necessary, interviews with locals. I've got one minute. I'm going to wrap this up. Interviews with locals uh, familiar with the situation, reporting these findings on an appropriate map. Any survey of property include and and um, an explanation of the boundary law principles involved. So there's your fix. Uh, that would uh, that would. Uh, that would fix the problem with the definition of survey, but this is falling on deaf ears. All right, folks, well, that's about it for today. And, uh, again, I won't be with you over the next two Mondays, but I'll be back in, in three Mondays from now in, in March. So I hope everyone has a uh, – has a, a, uh, everyone is well in the meantime. Thank you very much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.